Welcome to Unashamed, Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed, Unafraid. Hey, James. Hey. It's you and me today, and... We get to interview Steve and Kayla, which is uh, awesome. We got to interview them, and yep. that was it was just amazing. And um, it's different to be on this side of it, just to um, hear their stories and how how it went and what it was like for both of them. It was just a, a beautiful story of love between them and God. And well, and it's cool because you know you kind of get to walk down this road with them. You know, um, Steve has always been pretty open that he's actively in recovery, you know, um, with varying degrees of sobriety. Um, that's part of why he did Unashamed Unafraid. He came to it from the the approach of, hey, guys, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm and on this journey ashamed, with you. Ashamed, yeah. And he's not afraid and to it, talk about it. Right. And he's still working on this. And so um, Steve and Kayla kind of walk us through their journey this, you know, this time around. You know, and for me, this is um, this was a really cool experience because I've had a chance to kind of sit down with Steve and Kayla um, like early, early on this year after, you know, some rough stuff had happened. And I can already see differences in their relationship. But in, for me, particularly in Kayla, um, her willingness to open up. Um, get get vulnerable, um, she, you know the healing that she's experienced over just over the course of this last year compared to you know kind of when I was first, you know had really sat down and asked them to really share in depth their part of the story. Um, but it's just cool to see the the journey that they've both been on through this. Yeah, to even even I mean I've known Steve for a few years now, and and just seeing the growth that he's made from when I first met him to where he's at now and just to be able to to be witness to that yeah. piece as as the light of Christ continually shows up in his in his life. Well, and what's amazing is you're a part of that story. I'm a part of that story. CT is a part of that story. Jason, you're a part of that story. Right. Like God is bringing men into Steve's life because God loves Steve and God loves us. And by this brotherhood and this fellowship, God is blessing us all. Yep. Well, with that, let's kick off this episode with Steve and Kayla. We're excited, man. I'm excited. Are you excited, James? I'm way excited about this one. Tonight, I think our listeners are all going to be excited about this one too. They are because people keep people keep asking, when do we get to hear Stephen Kayla's story? Like Steve talks about it a little bit on the blog. The right, it's all written out. It's there. all written out. It's yeah. in detail and probably not as much detail as we might go into here. But it's nope. it's and pretty people awesome. Realize and, I'm a terrible writer if they read it. So right. But the cool thing is, is that we get to finally hear your guys' story, and so does everybody else. And I'm excited to be able to to be part of that and have James here with yep. us to be able to to do that and have Kayla in here. We're so excited to have her here with us as well. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm mostly excited to be here. So, well, you guys know how how <laughs> mostly excited. Um, so, you guys know how this operates, how we do things. So, Steve, start with you with 
kind of how things were going with you as a youth and go from there. Yeah, we've done a couple stories before. Um, I, I share a lot about it on here, but predominantly I had I had a lot of sexual abuse in my family growing up. I had an affair happen in my family. Um, I'm the youngest in my family. So the a lot of my family members think that I was abused. If you talk to my parents, they're like, oh, he totally was sexually abused. And that kind of explains all of this and whatever. Um, I have not had any of that come up for me in my therapy. I don't have any specific memories of that. Was it possible? There's like four different people in my life who could have molested me. So it's definitely possible. Um, But as I've gone through my therapy, the big miss for me in my childhood was the neglect. As like all this stuff happened, I just got left behind. And um, it was weird because my family did a lot of good things. You know, my parents planned really fun trips for us and took us camping. And so it wasn't this like, I grew up in the ghetto and my life was so terrible and no one ever showed up. It was just like, so one example I use a lot is, um, you know, my dad would always come to my basketball games and be there and, but like would never play with me in the backyard. And I remember always going up to him as a kid, you know, being like, you know, you come in the backyard and play with me. And, um, I finally got to the point where I just didn't ask anymore. Um, and so it was the things like that, that have been really wounding to me as I've kind of gone through my therapy process and my recovery. Like that's the stuff that's really put the damage on me. Um, and, and what came out of that, what I realized, what I got accolades for was, um, being the kid who didn't have any problems, my, my parents would say that being the hero child, if you're familiar with that dialogue, um, or, uh, performance based, the words I'll always use for me is the agreement. What I learned from my wounds was if you perform, then people will love you. And so it was all about being good at sports, being popular, being whatever I needed to be for people to love me. And so I think that's the sexual acting out behavior. I'm, I'm 31 now. So I was a kid of the internet. Um, so I'm sure I, I had seen stuff before, but it was when I was 12 actually, which I'm a little old. It was, I was playing free games online, totally innocent. And then boom, pop-up happens. I hit that. And I'm like, holy cow. And I grew up in the LDS church. Um, so I had the same complex as everyone else. I knew it was wrong. Um, but I didn't ever have, like, my parents didn't talk about sexuality. We didn't have those conversations. Um, some brief ones, not in a real healthy way. So I knew that was wrong. Um, when I got in high school, I had a lot of, and even junior high, I had a lot of sexually acting out with girls. And so that, then I was like, oh, I, this, so I had that whole thing as a kid. It feels really good. It feels validating, but I totally know it's wrong. So even as a kid, I had the dual life and the shame happen super early on. Um, and then like everyone else, I lied about it and went on a mission. So you didn't talk about it with any of your ecclesiastical leaders or anything? Uh, I did what I call a, a three-quarter repentance. I had said that I'd done a lot of stuff. I didn't say that I had sex because I know that's a bigger thing and that's delays, you know. And so, I and I, I feel like if people want it to be more black and white. Like, I felt good about going on my mission. I felt good about my repentance. But I'm a 17-year-old kid. Like, I didn't know about all I wasn't like, I have an addiction. And I, like, right. that. this is, you're talking to, this 2007, like, that was not, like, the church was just starting to talk about porn on the mainstream and being a problem. Like there was not this dialogue around sexual addiction 
at church or anywhere else. And so for me, I was just like, yeah, I've had this problem with girls and, and all this stuff. But even in high school, I acted out with all these girls and had a girlfriend who was this super good girl, great LDS girl, really good person. I was doing both. So I already had the dual life that I experienced as an adult, as a kid. Wow. Thanks. Now we'll turn it over to Kayla. Yeah, I grew up totally opposite. Um, I did everything I was supposed to. I had great friends. I went to the temple all the time. Kayla's one of the only people I know that was like, high school was fun. I loved high school. Um, my parents were always in leadership callings. I had a really good family. And yeah, my growing up was great. Okay. <laughs> pretty pretty detailed. That's awesome. <laughs> but that really uh, talks about, I mean, you guys have talked about that before where, where Steve had this totally different extreme life. And then my wife is kind of the same as you where she lived her life like this amazing way. She followed the, um, the covenants. She went to the temple herself, uh, you know, did baptisms and stuff like that. She did all sorts of things and connected with God. And, but then she's like, I don't know if you felt this way too, when everything started coming out, um, that why is this happening to me? Totally. Because you live this life and right. you lived all these good, you did all these good things, but why is all this stuff happening to me? Totally. And I feel like I totally put blame on God in that way. You know, like I've done everything I was supposed to. I've never like had major sin in my life. I've tried really hard to, you know, do what was right. And then, so why did I get stuck? Well, we didn't get married under that pretense, you know, so mission, my mission went great. Um, I masturbated like my whole mission and didn't see a big problem with that. Obviously, I see a problem with that now and realize what it was like at the time. I just didn't, you know, uh, sought out porn a couple times on my mission. I, I served stateside. I was in Baltimore, so um, there was some access there. And felt guilty about those. Still just kind of lied about it because I'm a missionary, right? So you're not going to say anything. And But I had tons of really good experiences with God. And so, like, I felt like I did get some foundational understanding of who God is and that I, I wanted Him in my life and who Jesus was and the atonement and that mattered to me. And I'd, I'd seen it work in people's life. And so when I came back for my mission, I ended up being an ordinance worker in the temple. And I got fathered by some men in there for sure. That was big. And I had tons of spiritual experiences. But my whole addiction life just spiraled. I even had a mission companion I talked to about. My last companion were like, dude, when we go home, we're not going to do this stuff. We're going to be ready to go. And I got home and it was, it was like two or three months. And then I fell off the wagon and then just... You know, I'm not talking to anyone. I'm not being honest. So just, it just escalated. Right. Like you were crazy. living in isolation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, high to my addiction stuff happened before Kayla and I even got married. And so I was, you know, I, I tell people I, I've almost tried everything like once, but the big thing for me was prostitution, um, which, like, we haven't got all the reasons all, but like that was my big acting out. But porn no, and masturbation almost daily. Prosti- but, were you involved in prostitution before you were married? Uh huh. Yep. Um, and I didn't have the premise. We always like joke about it on here with guys. Like I didn't have the premise that I'm like, Oh, me getting married will fix this. But I also didn't believe I had an addiction. 
Like I was like, whatever. So to me, it was more like I had this recommitment when I got married. Like I'm getting married now. I can't be doing this other stuff. So like it's the quit every night before you go to bed. Like that was one of my biggest quit every night before we go to bed. Um, and, and quit we, every holiday and quit every like January uh-huh. 1st. You're like, yep, I'm not going to yep, do this every again. Monday. Yep. Yeah. That's totally how it happened. And we had, we kind of had a run in when we were engaged where Kayla found something on my phone and I lied about it. I totally minimized it. And, um, but I mean, I think that was the first sign. So you didn't disclose anything to her before about oh, no, man. anything you were I doing before. Freaking man. Nope. Yeah. It's bad. Okay. So, right, you go into this blind. Um, mm-hmm. How does this all start to come out? What happens? So it was when our little girl was three months old, I went on a trip to Connecticut to visit my sister. And um, Steve came and picked me up from the airport. And it was weird because I was with my mom. We were living with my parents for a couple months because we were selling our condo and in the process of buying a house. And my dad was at the airport to pick up my mom, and Steve was there to pick me up. And I was like, that's really weird. And we were driving, and Steve was really quiet. And he and they said, took our little girl? Yeah, they took... No, that's no. your parents were... So Steve said, um, we're going to stop by a therapist's office. I have something I need to tell you. But just know, like, I still love you so much. And it was like 11 p.m. So I was like, oh, like, this can't be good. So we pull up to this office, and I know. I'm like, oh, he's going to tell me that he struggles with pornography. Because, like, that's just what I thought. And so we pull up to the office, and his parents were there to take our little girl. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So. And I had had, while she was out of town, I had, like, totally been acting out and I'm in a bishopric at the time, been elders court and president. And I was always so busy on overachiever mode that I would act out. I would say, I'm never going to do that again. And then I would use the evidence of what God was doing in my life with my influence with other people as justification that he knows I'm working on it. I had a singles word bishop prior to Kayla and I getting married that I told them everything that had happened up to that point and the prostitution hadn't happened yet. Um, but I wrote it on a piece of paper. I did like a T chart and I said, here's everything that I did tell the Bishop before my mission. And here's everything that I didn't. And I just want to be hundred percent honest. Cause I committed with my companion, you know, we we're going to do this thing. And, um, he said to me, and I think he was a really good guy. He just didn't know what he didn't know. And he said to me, I think God's forgiven you for this stuff, which I think was true. And kind of, you know, go your way and sin no more. And if you have a problem, come back and talk to me. So he doesn't know what shame is. I don't know what shame is. I don't know I'm addicted. What I know now is the odds of me or someone in that situation going back and talking to that bishop are zero, right? I'm not going to cut this. The shame is, and particularly I start acting out bigger. And so I always just had this complex that God knows I'm working on it. And I'm like, and yo, if God didn't know I was working on it, then why am I having these huge spiritual experiences in the temple? If God didn't know I was working on it, then why am I getting married to this wonderful girl? If God doesn't know I'm working on it, why am I Elder Scorn president? Why am I in a bishopric? Why is stuff going good at work? Um, and so this weekend while Kayla was gone, you know, our daughter wasn't there and I just had been acting out a ton and acted out with a woman again. It was the first time I ever had to like sit with myself. So you continued the the women and acting out with prostitute, prostitutes and everything after 
you guys got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I was I was stealing so, money from the family business to facilitate it. And I just want to point out a lot of those things that you were saying, those justification things, those denial methods. For those of you guys that are out there listening, that was denial. Oh, a thousand percent. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, a thousand percent. And the and um, I mean, Kayla can talk about this. I was two people. Kayla knew I was two people. Um. Um. So let's let's go back to the therapist office. Yeah. Um, Kayla, mm-hmm. why don't you? Well, so it was out of that weekend that yeah. I decided to come forward with everything, yeah. and I and the one that's the reason why you set up for the, your the therapist daughter yeah. to be set taken. Therapist. And... So I'd been to therapy before with my family stuff with the sexual abuse. So I, I actually told my dad first, and then I actually told Kayla's dad because the therapist was like, "Tell her parents." So that when she comes home and she gets blown away, she doesn't go home and blow her parents away and then they can't support her. So drop the bomb on them first. I thought obviously my father-in-law was going to kill me and he had just tons of grace. Bless that man for the grace he had for me and still does. Um, and so I, this only thing I'd say on that is I, I, I had a moment of breakthrough with my denial, James, of what you're talking about. Yeah. That denial I had built for myself, I had, had to sit with myself enough on that weekend that it finally came out. And I had to say to myself, this is going to come out eventually. And when it comes out, it's going to, Satan is going to wait till it destroys the most lives. And that's when this is going to come out. And I don't know, that was just grace. I don't know how I got that, but I knew. So I would like to say that I'm this giant faith giant and I just had my God moment. I trusted him. That is totally not the truth. I know God was there with me, but I was like, I'm dead then or I'm dead now. So I might as well get on with it and see, see if it's going to go okay. But for sure, I was getting divorced. I was getting excommunicated for sure. I thought that's how it would go. But I went to the therapist and she said, yeah, bring Kayla to my office right when she gets home. Uh, you know, bless Jolene Green for that moment and willing to do freaking therapy on a Tuesday night or whatever it was. At 11 o'clock at night. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So that puts us okay. there. Okay. So, Kayla, what I want to ask you is um, just kind of walk us through what this did for you mentally and emotionally as this happens. What What does a woman go through? Yeah, I mean, it was not a pretty night, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we were in the office and I mean, I was just yelling like, screw you. I want a divorce. I don't ever want to see you again. You're never going to see your daughter. Like I'm not doing this. And I like left the room crying and the therapist came and like comforted me and she was like, come back up. And I was like, no, like, I don't even want to see him. Like, I really don't want to see him. And so we all went back in the room and I got my stuff and I called my parents and I was like, hey, I need you to come get me. Um, and then we drove. So what are you thinking? What's going through your mind? I don't even know. Like, I, I don't even think I could think anything because I was just so in shock. And like my whole life just got turned upside down. And I was young. I was 23 when this all came out. And so. And did you did you know, like Steve just said, that, that you knew he was two different people. But did you like really know that he was acting out or doing any of these kind oh, of no. things? I mean, I would have not been surprised if he said I have a pornography addiction, but no, not even close to what, you know, to what did come out. And when he, like when we say he was two different people, he was happy and so loving and so kind and so energetic to everyone. And then when you get home and he was just like, he was never rude to me, but just a different person. Like he was always sad. Was so rude to you. Yeah, but I mean, 
Yeah. Sorry. I'm but he was like always sad and like something was always wrong. And I was like, what is that about? Like, why, why are we two different people? So I think that's what you mean more about, you know, yeah. like I knew something was off. So you tell, you're telling, so your universe gets flipped upside down. Yeah. And right? I think I'm really honestly in shock. Like, I don't even know what to think, you know, yeah. and you just go through everything. Like, like I had that moment with God where I'm just like, why did you do this to me? Why am I here when I've like done nothing, <laughs> you know, to deserve this? And I came or my parents came and picked me up and I was just like, oh my gosh, like he's horrible. This is like awful. And my dad, um, my dad says, you know, Kayla, Steve's a really good guy who's made really bad decisions. And I remember just thinking like, <laughs> screw you dad like come on <laughs> he just broke my heart like how can you even say that and then um we got to my parents house and I called Steve's mom and I was like I want my baby and she was like do you want me to keep her overnight and I was like no like just bring her to me and so they were at my parents house when we got back and I remember just hugging them and I said like right to his mom I was like I love you and I love your husband but like I hate your son and like we're we're done um in that moment, I mean, that night was just, it was horrible. <laughs> so did you separate at that time? Did you guys ever do a separation or an in-house separation? Or what did you guys do with that? Um, yeah, so that night I was like, I'm never talking to you, which was, you know, I'm just like in shock. So I went to my parents' house and he went to his parents' house. And I think he like tried calling me and I was like, no, I just didn't even want to talk to him at that point. Um but um, when I thought it was over, I was like, "Yep, that's it." Yeah, and you, but you'd kind of known that walking in. You kind of expected that. Yeah. It was, you know, to your point, you said, "I'm either dead then or I'm dead now." So, yeah. right. So what? What you expected to happen happened. Yeah. Yeah, and it was the first time that, because I talked to a lot of men that I feel like they don't know what addiction actually costs. Like, they don't know what their behavior is costing them. Yeah. And like, I don't know why my wife's so mad. Or I don't know why everyone's so bent out of shape. And I'm like, you can't see what this is costing you. And I remember, so Kayla storms out of the room. I mean, think of the gravity of this moment, right? Kayla storms out of the room with the therapist. And I know the therapist is coming back up. And I literally don't feel a thing. You're I so numb and I could have walked out of there. Watched the football game with my buddies, gone to bed, and been fine. And you think about the gravity of that moment. It's like, what the heck is wrong with you? And I remember sitting in that moment being like, this therapist is going to come back up here, and I need to look really emotionally distraught. Like, I need to, like... Because I know, like, I should be, like, I can contextually realize, like, this is super bad situation. I should be feeling really emotionally hurt, and this is really messed up. And honestly, I felt nothing. And what I realized is I'm like, that's how numbed out I was. I was so numbed out that I, I couldn't even care. Like, how, how, like, I can cry about this now and be like, how pathetic and sad is that? And I didn't realize that till later in recovery. I just remember in that moment feeling nothing. Yeah. And, and like trying to work up emotion, like kids are starving in Africa, like bad stuff. Happened. Like this is really bad what you did. Like, 
Yeah. Come on, get some feeling going. <laughs> but I mean, we've had Todd on here talk about that before where you get to where you can't feel because if you were to feel, it would literally destroy you. Yeah, it would just destroy you inside. And Chris, you talked about being in that place and Todd talked about you being there as well where your acting out became such a place where you could don't you couldn't allow yourself to feel that hurt and shame anymore or else it would just rip you up inside. Right. That's where you were at. You were past feeling. So night's over. You guys do you guys come back home together or you just stay at the your parents' houses or Yeah, so I stayed at my parents' house and he stayed at his. And that night actually was like the beauty of everything cuz I my mom took my little girl and she's like you just try to get any sleep you can. And I just laid in bed forever. Which is little sleep. Right. And and I was on East Coast time, so I like my body was already like I was so tired, you know. And um that night I I prayed like I have never prayed before. Um and I was amazed at how fast I received an answer and it was just like hold on like try to make it work and I was so like livid in that moment and but like I felt peace about like trying to you know like hear where Steve was coming from talk to him about it more the next day and I actually was able to go to go to sleep and talk to him more about it the next day that that amazes me and how God is able to just step in right then at that piece where it's this is this is the most traumatic experience that you've probably ever had in your entire life. Right. And God says, hey, just hold on. I have a plan for you. Right. And I think I think that's just amazing to me that he's that he did that. Yeah. And well, God's in grace such a tender that, moment. Yeah, his his grace in that moment, that that ability to comfort. Yeah. In your deepest hurt. Right. And that's the thing is like, I needed it right then, you know, like I didn't have 24 hours to fill God's love. Like I needed it right then. And that you were able to listen to that. Yeah. Be, being a point where you can listen to that and actually follow that piece because a, a lot of women are so angry in that, in that place, rightfully so, mm-hmm. that they may not even be in a posture to even receive that message yet. Where my wife didn't receive it right then, she prayed a little bit later and and got that message later. But you were getting it right then, which is amazing. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a, a crazy night, <laughs> and then a crazy. So what happened after that? So what do you guys end up doing? Like, yeah. So I knew that therapist. She knew about Lifestar. So um, I was blessed in that. I had had parents who had been through a lot, you know, an affair had happened in that relationship and all the abuse. So um, I knew that my parents would not abandon me, you know, that they wouldn't be like, we can't, this is ridiculous, get out of there. So they were like, look, whatever it takes to, to help you, let's help you and get there. So um, I'm out with Dan at Lifestar. And, um, so let's talk about Lifestar again. I mean, if somebody, this is their per- first podcast listening to this, they're not going to know what Lifestar is. Clinic for sexual so. health addiction here based in here in Salt Lake. They have other offices and stuff like that. But um, so therapy clinic. And, um, and I remember talking to Dan. I remember just like that overachiever in me, perfectionist in me saying, oh, I need to fix this in my life. It went back to the performance-based me. 
So the same person who was performing everywhere else in life for validation and acceptance, I was now going to perform in recovery to get that validation and acceptance. Um, you know, and, and so the first thing I did was they had an intensive one-week program, um, an outpatient program. So you're there like 8 in the morning to like 6 at night. Um, and this guy walks in named Chris. And um, they're like, hey, we have this guy. You know, he's recovering. He's going to share his story. Um, and I remember sitting with this guy named Chris. <laughs> and there's only four other guys. So it's me and four other guys. And Chris shares his whole story, um, which if you haven't heard, I don't know why you haven't heard it. You need to listen to it. Um, and I remember, like, I think I asked you, like, eight different ways, like, how are you not looking over your shoulder? Because I felt so early on this pressure and this burden all the time of this acting out that, like, it was only a matter of time till it happened again and proved this identity of me being a bad person and that I was never going to change. And I remember seeing you and being like, he is different than I am. And I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know why. I remember... Um, Saying like, I don't know. I remember talking to Kay after I'm like, I don't know how this guy's doing what he's doing, but he's doing it. Because I remember I asked like 60 more ways. I was like, bull crap, bro. So you don't think about this every day. You don't look over your shoulder every day. And you're so happy-go-lucky just by personality, right? I mean, knowing you now and you're just like, no, I don't. And I remember knowing that that was true. Like I remember being like, this guy is being authentic in this. And then I remember later they brought back you in Autumn and the thing I always tell people about you guys is like, you're not, you know, sometimes you hear stories of people and you're like, well, that's not real life. Like I call them like the pretty people, like, and you're like, and they just decided to do a startup and they made a million dollars their first year and everything went well. And, and you're just like, that's not my life. Like I'm not pretty people. I remember being like, Chris and Autumn are just like normal average Joes. Like not that you guys are, but I'm like, they're just normal people. Like they're the same people you go to church with or hang. And I'm like, and I could see like Autumn wasn't pissed at you anymore. And and I remember that just like instilled in me a belief that recovery was possible. Um, I mean, it's the reason why we started Unashamed and Unafraid was because what you did for me, I'm like, everyone needs that for them in their recovery. And so that like early on, my whole perfection based, like that's really messed me up trying to earn love. But it did help me early on in recovery because I had hope from hearing you and Autumn's story. And so then it was just all about, well, then how do you perform in recovery? And part of that was good because I was like, what are the tools that work? And I'm willing to do them. Right. Um, and so even in my earning it mentality, God still was able to use that to kind of launch me into recovery. So we haven't been, I haven't been where Kayla's like, why don't you ever do anything? Why don't you want to? go to recovery. Why don't you like, why don't you want to do something about it? I've always been the one that's like, I need to do recovery for me, which I think everyone has to get to that point. You're not doing it for someone else. But I think like that helped me a ton, you know, kind of early on. So what did recovery look like for you, Kayla? Yeah. I mean, those first few months were so rough. Um, they talk a lot like about, you know, like in addiction for the addict and the spouse, like there's so many ups and downs, you know, and like, you're just on a roller coaster, and that's exactly how it was. Like, I was either, oh, Steve, like, we're totally going to get through this. This is great. Or, like, 
just so rude to him. I actually remember one time I had an Etsy business um, and I would buy a lot of fabric. And one time he was like, geez, you spend a lot of money on fabric. And I was like, well, fabric's cheaper than prostitutes. And Little shots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was horrible. I remember looking like at his face after I said that. And I, I mean, clearly I was just saying that because I was so hurt, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I just said that to him because he's trying so hard you know, to enter recovery and be in recovery. And like, that was so rude. But I think things like that would happen a lot. And um, and, that, and that's actually, a, a, I've talked to a lot of different women mm-hmm. that have said those kind of things. Yeah. So I, I think it's a normal reaction. It's a normal thing to come yeah. about. That's yeah. a trauma it, response, it, 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 right? It, it, it's it, a totally. defense You still have some anger in you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so actually when Steve brought up therapy for me, I was like, no, like, I'm not the one with the issue. You're the one with the issue. And obviously, I knew nothing about, like, betrayal trauma and, like, all the stuff that comes with that. And that I'm going to have to process this, you know, with, like, a professional. Um, so we started doing phase one, and I was just so— This is group at Lifestar. Yeah. So you both go. Both. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so mad about it. Um and we drove there, and I remember walking in the room, and I was like, oh, it's just like 14 little Steve and Kayla's. Like, they're all just normal people, you know? So she it was going to be all these weirdos, you know? We were going to the prison yard, whatever. So. <laughs> Autumn thought the same thing. Same here, went. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I did recovery right. I, I feel like I didn't the first time around. Um, Tell I, us more about that. Yeah, so I feel like I tried to like protect Steve from everything. I I didn't allow like God to heal him. I feel like I tried to heal him. And I was very much the like codependency. A hundred percent. Yep. And I was like, I'm okay. Like I've done nothing wrong. Let's make sure you're okay. You know? And I didn't allow that space for me to heal. Like I don't know. I just feel like I took Steve's addiction and I tried to make it my problem. Instead of doing my own work, I tried to do his work for him. Also very common. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to control the outcome yeah, because that was going to protect you from getting hurt again. Right. Which, yeah. So yeah. during this counseling and stuff, are you are you acting out anymore? Are you done and you're good? Yeah, I wasn't acting and... out with any other women. So um, it was, you know, porn and masturbation were, were still happening. Um, and I, I was disfellowshipped. And I, I think to be brief, I think what happened was I met with my stake president. And I think what he felt was... Here's a guy who wants to change, is trying to change. So let's maybe not take his legs all the way out from under him. Because I thought for sure I was getting excommunicated. And um, and so they ended up pushing it to a ward level. And if, if you know the details, you can't be excommunicated at a ward level. And so I remember going to that. My mom's like, maybe something will happen or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I should be excommunicated. So I'm getting this fellowship for sure. <laughs> um, and I remember like my bishop didn't know what to do when I told him. This is the bishop I'm serving with. So I was like, hey, we need to meet. And he's like, on what? And I'm like, no, like, we need to meet. I remember when we first met, we sat down. He didn't know what to say. And, like, I walked out of there, like, with my recommend and everything. <laughs> and he called me back and was like, the next thing, he's like, we need to meet again. And I think it's because he was in such shock. Like, he just didn't know right. what to do. So I was disfellowshipped and, um, you know, had four months of sobriety was kind of the most that I had in total actual sobriety. And that was about a little over a year into recovery. It was being 2016. I'd started on Ashamed and Afraid. And I was like, this is it. I'm done. 
Like we're in a good place. I've done all the stuff. I've been to boot camp a couple times. I'm with God because I came out with everything in April of 2014. Yeah, but you were baptized. I mean, not baptized. Sorry, you were put back into fellowship in 2015. Yeah, in yeah. in a yeah year and a half later, September 2015, and so um, back into fellowship, starting on unashamed, unafraid, and so I'm like, I'm not crazy sober, but I'm. I'm sober enough and I'm going to get there. And so right when I started Unashamed, I had that four months. Um, and I remember we went to a Toby Mac concert. It was the first Christian concert Kayla had been to. And she like really enjoyed it. And so I was happy to engage her in that. And and I was like, this is it. I'm good. And, and I was at that point that I didn't have shame about addiction anymore. But I didn't realize like the trauma from my family and all of that part. So that just came up and totally took me out. Um, and I was like, oh, maybe I am not okay. And so I, I started kind of working on that. And then um, I was... So finally starting dealing with the problems. The underlying problems. The, the underlying yeah. problems, not yeah. the actual... Because as someone who addition. earns love, man, I crushed it in group, workbooks, therapy. Oh, I'm all about, yeah, let's confront my denial. Let's... Because I'm... It allowed yeah, me I to check the, the boxes. Here you go. And I'm getting validation. You know, look at how good I'm doing. Um, I'm earning recovery, right? Um, and, uh, I, you know, I remember that. But I remember having a couple of these experiences. You do an exercise where you draw little pictures of all the trauma that happened in your childhood. And um, I was like, yeah, whatever. And, like, I had a guy in my group that was like, yep, every Sunday after church, my dad would totally beat me. And I'm like, oh, that's what trauma looks like. I get why you're here. And I didn't feel that way about my life growing up. And then I sat with my individual therapist. I was like, how about we go over that again and slowed it down and asked me a lot of questions. And even in my group, and I was like, oh, I've got a lot of stuff. So that kind of hit me. And then it was in December of 2016 um, that I acted out again with another woman. And um, it wasn't, I was driving Uber, so not probably the best place to be doing as an addict, but I'd never had a problem. I'd had a lot of spiritual experiences, honestly, sharing the gospel with people, praying with people. So it had really been a good thing. And this experience happened and and I, I kind of stopped it, but it, I mean, went way, way too far, totally all this bad stuff. And I remember being like, I'm supposed to be fixed. How did I end up back here? And that earning it just being broken. And I'm like, Oh crap! And so, so you nego- negotiated with your addiction, even though you didn't. You may not have known that, or did you? I didn't. I realized it after, um, and uh, much later after, because that happened, and I was like, "Oh man, like this is really bad." And uh, I did what I had done my whole life. I lied about it, and um, and then I had in May of the following year. A couple more experiences happened with Uber with other women, and I again lied about it. And like the analogy I would use is, I would say like I'm baking a recovery cake, and if I have all the right ingredients and it's perfect, if there's a little vinegar in there, it'll bake out. Like that was my Jason's over here laughing because he's like, look at this idiot with his denial, right? But I'm just being honest about what I did, you know? And so, and I kept having all these really good experiences. I'm having good experiences with Unashamed. I'm having good experiences at boot camp. Kayla and I are having some healing growth, some good things. And so I would still disclose stuff like porn and masturbation stuff, but I wasn't really being honest. And I think Kayla knew that. You would kind of disclose. You disclose every once in a while. Right, and I think you knew that was kind of off, like yeah. Um, and so, 
that kind of happened. And then in August of that year, um, 2018. Oh yeah. Whoop. August of 2018. Um, I had, uh, did, uh, phone sex again it came up on our credit card and we were sitting at kayla's parents a lot of stuff happens at kayla's parents house by the way as far as our (laughs) um i'm sitting at kayla's parents and she's looking through our credit card and she sees it and she's like oh what's this and i minimize it all right there but she knows something's off and then and god had already been working on me like dude you know you have to do full disclosure you know you can't recover without full disclosure like what are you doing and he'd sent me that message 20 times. And I'm like, nope, tune you out. It's the recovery cake. Remember, I have it all figured out. I'm earning it. Um, and uh, he just kind of broke that down. So I sat with Kayla and I was like, hey, okay. We got home and I was like, I did this. I did the phone sex thing. Here's what happened. I want to be honest. She like, is there anything else? I'm like, no, that's it. Didn't disclose the Didn't Uber disclose stuff. the Uber stuff that happened with the other women. So at this point in time, she's thinking it was still all back in 2014. Um, and I sat with my bishop and it was interesting how God can work with people. Brand new bishop, literally brand new, like his first month. And we like to break bishops in. Yeah. I have a, a yeah. <laughs> many bishops. Um, yeah. Well said. So I meet with him and he's like, well, I'm going to take your recommended. I'm all hacked off and I meet with my stake president and same thing. And I don't think they really could identify addiction, all that. I think they just knew something was off. And so they kind of buffered me. And that's when God, if I, I finally broke in God being like, you can't do the right thing the wrong way. You know, you got to be honest. And so that's when I came forward is late August of 2018 that I came forward with the stuff that had happened with Uber. And um, so it was actually in September because it okay, was like three days before our anniversary. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Happy anniversary. You know, that. And, and exactly. that happens a lot too, where, where it's, it's, close to anniversaries mm-hmm. or birthdays or Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. So that goes not well, <laughs> um, as you can imagine. Um, so let's pause for just a second. How do you, how are you taking this now? Right. Are, are you buying that nothing's really happened since 2014? Cause you're thinking he's good for four years. I think, yeah, I didn't think anything with any other woman had happened or yeah. Yep. And so, Tell us a little bit more. What What is this doing to you? So this was like a month after the phone sex thing, you know, and then we had this and I was, I don't know. I just didn't even know. I was like, is this going to be my whole life? Because this was my biggest fear all along that like he was going to say he healed, but he really didn't. And then 15 years down the road, he's going to come out and be like, oh, it's been 15 years and I've been doing this, this and this and this. And I've actually had zero healing. So that was just kind of like my biggest fear coming true, like in that moment. Um and again, it was one of those like shocking moments where I was just like, get out of my house and I don't even know what to do. And I actually like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I was rude because I was hurt and I just felt sick. Right. Because at this time we have felt. had, we had another kid. So we have two kids and yeah, I just felt lost. Yeah. I think that was the first time that Kayla really let like her anger come out and boundaries and it, as opposed to like, as she described it earlier, like the, she's going to fix me and not, I think a lot of that was exposed at that time. So before that, Kayla, did you realize that you needed to not try to fix him? Did you finally come to that point of you're like, Hey, I don't need to fix him. He needs no. to work on his own. You no. So you haven't yet. got to that point yet. I wasn't okay. there yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, we had a rough couple months 
And he met with the bishop, he met with the state president, and the state president was like, we're going to do a disciplinary council. And I was like, oh, here we go again, you know? But I I was thinking, because of the, like, the acting out that he had done, I was like, there's no way he's going to be excommunicated. Like, we're just going to, you know, go through another round of disfellowship. And um, that was false. He was excommunicated in December of last year, so exactly a year ago. And I feel like that's when I was able to be like, okay, I can't heal this, and we have to do this right. I don't think that we did church discipline right the first time. I feel like I was rushing him, like, let's get back in fellowship. Like, let's get you having a calling. Let's do this and this and this. Like, I want to go to the temple with you. And I feel like the the moment he got excommunicated was the first time that I was that it was so clear to me that I could I have no control over his addiction. It was just between him and God. And Steve had to give that to God, and I couldn't make Steve give it to God. And I went into it. I came out of my first interview with my stake president, and I came home with kids. like, how'd it go? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm getting X for sure. And she was like, oh, you're just being arrogant, telling him you know it all and whatever. I'm like, mm, you meet with the guy and tell me what you think. So she met with him, and she's like, oh, yeah, you're getting next. Um, and it was interesting because <laughs> going into it, I felt, I was like, are we even in the same room? Like, does this guy hear me talk? Like, I felt the communication was so off and whatever. But I felt really good about being excommunicated, um, and I was at peace with that. And um, so it was interesting when we met after, I was like, I bet you this guy doesn't even want to meet with me after he's gonna be like, yeah, just meet with your bishop and whenever this gets cleared up, let me know, you know. And he put in my in my letter, they give you a letter of here's the things you should do, you know. And his letter's like, meet with me once a month. So I told Kayla, I was like, this is gonna be interesting because like if we're gonna meet all the time, like he and I need to have a come to Jesus on some things and how we view the world and recovery and all this sort of. So I was really worried that it was gonna be this big battle I was gonna have to have with him. And it was so crazy how the spirit worked because the first time I sat down with him, I didn't have to have any of that. He was like, oh yeah, your actions by the handbook aren't necessarily excommunicatable, but the overwhelming spirit we got is this is what you needed to fully surrender to God. And so I still am a little bit on that journey, to be honest, that I can't talk about my excommunication and go, this is why it happened. This is what I was supposed to learn. This is what the only thing that that I know is like, it wasn't a start for me. Um, I had one person in the discipline council say that to me when I was walking out. They're like, you know, this isn't an end. This is a beginning. And I'm like, that's the most untrue thing anyone said today, because this is neither. This began in April 2014. And yeah, of course, this isn't the end. Are you serious? Um, you know, I've met Chris and Autumn. I believe I'm in, you know. <laughs> and um, But for me, it was interesting because, like, I didn't feel different after being ex. I didn't have this big, like, dark fallout. But I really do think it shifted some things for me. And I don't, I don't know that I have that all identified in a way that I can really, like, articulate it well. Like, this is what that process did for me. So because you felt this way, you you became perfect after that, right? Of course. Um, no, so I um, so that was December 2nd was when I was um, excommunicated. And um, I had been uh, going to the gym, doing yoga classes, which honestly had been really good. I'd had similar to kind of the Uber thing. And this is really where like the negotiating addiction part really came up. Um, talk about surrendering, right? Um, and... Um, I had in, in one week it escalated. I had, um, I don't know the, uh, the, one of our therapists says I can't use the word affair, but, um, I don't know what other word to use. I had this one week affair and I had one of my men that are close to me come to me 
four days into that week, totally randomly showed up in my office and was like, so you're not okay. And I remember we were talking, like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I remember debating with myself, like, obviously God's sending me a billboard. Um, so do I tell him what's going on or do I lie about it and keep hiding this? And, and God's grace got to me. And so I was like, I'm not okay. And we went for a drive and I told him, you know, the affair that was happening. And, um, and the, the part that was for me, the shame around all of that is in my mind, it's the worst acting out I'd ever done. Everyone has a different scale, how they want to judge it. That's fine. I'm just saying for me personally, because the prostitution is so nameless, faceless, I'm, I'm objectifying those women and using them. They're in a situation where I didn't force them to do anything. I get that they're totally abused and there's so much human trafficking. I understand that. But for me, it's like that where I feel like this affair, I'm like, this is a real person. Like there was emotion here. So to me, it, it's so much worse. So I would still say that's the worst acting out that I ever did. So much more hurt. I think that dumps on Kayla. Because at this point, I kind of know the betrayal trauma. I've seen it. We've had conversations. I've seen some of the healing. And I just remember the shame. That's the darkest I've ever been. That if I had a rock bottom, that is the rock bottom moment. Because if anyone knows better, I know better. If anyone has had the therapy, the healing, the people in their lives to help them, like I just had this dialogue in my mind that I'm like, God has literally thrown the kitchen sink at me. Like Jesus and Heavenly Father up there talking, being like, we literally can give him nothing else other than send down a couple angels to stand by him and stop him from acting out. Like other than that, we've literally given him every grace, every tool and in a in a moment, like I would have felt better about it if it would have taken a year for this affair to build up. In a moment, like a light switch, I go from being in recovery to doing the worst acting out I'd ever done. It took that much for me to just fall off the bus, down the cliff, into a ditch. Right. Like, and so for me, I'm just like this person, this identity that I have of this guy who runs unashamed, unafraid and shares the hope and really cares about Kayla and how Kayla's gotten these messages from God that he really is a great guy, just has these problems. I'm like, that all just may not be true. I might just be a bad person who sometimes does good things. And I remember Kayla and I went, we had a an appointment to kind of fully disclose what had happened. And I'd kind of told her the night before, and then we went to this appointment with our therapist sitting there and I'm like, here's the full disclosure. Um, And I just remember feeling so worthless. And that, that was the only moment between uh, right in April of 2014 to that moment that I was like, that was the first time again that I've been like, yeah, this is over. Like, because Kayla's just going to be like, I'm not doing this my whole life. Like, this is the third round of giant dumping disclosure, and it's the worst round. So, like, it's not getting better, Steve. It's getting worse. Like, I'm, I mean, for sure, I thought that's where we were. And you were finally feeling actual feelings, or were you trying to hide those feelings? Or No, I was, I was feeling, because I had done enough recovery and I'd been doing enough things. It wasn't completely black and white. So I, I wasn't, at that point, I was not in denial at all. I was, I don't, I don't know that I can claim it as like godly sorrow, 
But that's the only moment that I feel at some level I've ever truly been in touch with the pain that I've probably caused um, Kayla through this whole process. Kelly, why don't you kind of walk us a little bit about where what you're what's going on for you through this now round three? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the last round, this this whole thing was, I feel like the biggest turning point in our recovery as a couple. Do you agree by that? Oh yeah. Um, so after we had that appointment, we were sitting in the car together and. Again, just the shock. And I was like, I don't even know. Like, what do we do? And Steve was like, I don't know. Like, I think maybe we just get divorced. And I was like, oh, no, you don't get to decide that. Like, I get to decide that. You put me through so much. <laughs> that's your choice now. Yeah. And so I. that's the first time I've ever heard him even say those words or the fact that he was like, I don't even know, like, if I love you. And, like, that just, like, crushed me because I was like, I have been through hell and back for you. Like, you don't get to tell me that, you know. And just to see him so feel so worthless, like, I have, I've never felt so much darkness come from anyone as I felt from Steve in those three days. It was just a horrible feeling. But, I mean, still, I was just like, no, like, this is my husband. This is the father of my children. Like, I love the person Steve is, and I know that this is not who Steve is. And it was a horrible and scary and dark three days. But I feel like after those three days is for like the first time in my recovery and in Steve's recovery that we were like, okay, like for us, like this is it. This is rock bottom. So we either call it quits right now and we get divorced or we like fight like hell, you know, and finally like try to give it to God. And as we know you guys, we can, we can see you guys fighting like hell for each other. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit about Well, Freak, that. I was standing with Chris at the mall. Yeah. Like. When right after that, everything right, came out. It was like right towards the end of that three days. And I was like, hey, here's some giant disclosure for you. And Chris was just like, yep, that sucks, bro. Well, what are you going to do about it? And um, it, it was this interesting, like we talk a ton about like identity with God and relationship with God and my whole thing's been earning it with him. And like James and I have had these huge conversations about my whole dialogue around that. And um, it's been interesting because at the boot camp before, I knew that I was going to a disciplinary council and I knew I was going to get excommunicated, but it hadn't happened yet. And so I was sitting and um, I shared with this earlier on Theron's story, how Theron like totally touched my heart and had this big experience with it. And I remember I had this conversation with God where he told me like, I don't need you to be an addict anymore. Like whatever lessons you need to learn or whatever, like I don't need this anymore. So we can be done whenever you want to be done, by the way. Like I'm ready for you. Like we can just be done. Right. So, um, but you know how God's not going to force himself on you. He's not. And I remember feeling that. He's just waiting for you to come to him. He's got his That was the message I got out of that boot camp, you know. And I remember, um, so fast forward, I go, you know, the affair thing happens and I'm at this huge low. And I just remember saying, you know, okay, I'm a bad person who sometimes does good things. And Kayla's response, right? Like, no, you don't get to divorce me. Like, this isn't the dialogue, like, to have her say, like, no, I know who your identity is, so stop it with this crap. And then I'm, like, waiting for people to shame me, you know, and I get an email from my father-in-law, 
And I'm finally like, okay, this is going to be the guy to finally shame me and confirm this bad person that I am. And like, I don't know who wrote that email, but it wasn't my father-in-law because what he said and how he said it was so inspired. And, um, and even you, I go back to meet with my stake president and again, and I remember like I had this just insane dialogue with God where he was like, you know, um, I will, I will love you no matter what. And I have this beautiful, complete life for you whenever you're ready. So I know you question who I am and who you are, but I know who I am and I know who you are. So if you want to keep acting out to try and prove me wrong, to prove this story wrong, you can literally do this, Steve, as many times as you need to do it. But the answer is going to be the same. And like, that's the first time that that message really finally started to get through that I wasn't earning it. And I even had a couple people on here, Kayla and I had this whole, she's like, you can't disclose stuff on the blog. Like, I don't want you to be doing the blog anymore. Like, and so when I reposted my story, you know, I had online, you know, that's like, oh, I'm like a year sober from everything. I'm on my way. So I reposted it. I'm like, well, so that's not true. Um, the truth is I had multiple people email me that were like, we're with you, bro. Like, we love you. And I remember just being like, what is going on? And that was like the first time, like CT would call me all the time and I would never call him back. And my voicemail box was full with these two minute long, like he just kept calling me. And then I pick a phone like, Hey, did you get my voicemails? Yeah. Well, I'm happy to talk to you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just don't answer the phone with the call. Like I was so buffering and rude to him and he still just pursued my heart. Um, and just that just has changed me in that relationship with God and my identity with him. And just that whole, what we talk about all the time on here. Do you feel like being open about this is, is helping you in recovery because right after all this came out and was disclosed, you and I really started getting more into the podcast and that was when we did the, our invitation and you talked about it and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm not sober right now. You know, I, I screwed up. And so is that helping you like being here and talking to everybody and, um, being open about this? Is that helping you in your recovery right now? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think what's changed for me is the earning it component. Like, I feel like even Kayla initially was like, so what are you going to do different? And, and like church leaders and family, like, well, what are you going to do different? And I'm like, it's, it's actually my recovery cake that I was baking. Actually, a ton of those ingredients were super good, but I was doing it under the premise of that. I'm going to earn it. So I was doing all the right things the wrong way. So it wasn't about me having a relationship with God and me being on a journey with him. It was about me doing the right thing so I could check the box to say I was good enough. And so like changing that has changed, you know, um, that was a big change with the blog. I didn't let anyone help me because I was going to do it and it was going to be perfect. So having you guys here with me doing it, releasing some of that, you know, we um, helped you make it more imperfect. Well, but more that I'm willing, <laughs> I'm willing to trust other people, right? You guys have only made it a thousand times better. Um, and that's been my relationship with God. Like some of the stuff that I do, I still do some of the same stuff, a lot of the same stuff, but I just do it in a different way. And like Kayla and I have done a, we've did some really great couples therapy and had a lot of healing and a lot of growth. But I feel like the things that we're doing now are so, like the conversations we have are so honest in a way 
we have never been that honest with and so open. And I can see her battling for my heart. And I think I can see some of my bad behavior better. And like just being more open allows God to really enter these conversations because you can do godly things without God. Um, that's one of my rappers, KB, says, you, I, what, what I finally realized talking about himself is you can build a Christian empire without God. And he talked about his Christian rap career had been become all about the money and the image. So he was saying, Jesus, 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 when he's on stage, but he gets off stage and he never talks about him again. And I feel like that was me. Like, I can do so many things the right way, but like, I'm not doing them for me. I'm not, I'm not doing prayer to have a relationship with God. I'm doing prayer because I know that's what Chris needs and I know it's going to be good. So let's do it. Let's pray. But I'm not doing it because I really want to just talk to my dad, yeah. you know? Kayla, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Kayla, this is, um, right, this is a different chapter. You're right. Things are going differently this time around. Um, Tell us a little bit about what's changed in you. Um, What has God's grace looked like for you in this? Um, What are you going through right now? What healing are you experiencing? Can you kind of talk around all those things? Yeah. Um, I feel... Like, um, like we said before, like this, I feel like this is the first time I have turned my own stuff over to God. And I've always known like, oh, the atonement's real. Like the the atonement will heal Steve. You know, I believe in the atonement. I believe in Christ. And then I thought, no, like the atonement is real for me too. And I had never even like thought about that until like this go around. And then, um, I just think like, like I saw this picture of Christ and the scars on his hand. And I remember thinking like, Christ has those scars for me. And just, just like he knows what Steve is going through and the, the need for the atonement that Steve has, he knows what I'm going through and he knows the hurt and the pain that I have experienced because of, you know, this addiction and Steven's choices. And I'd, I've never even realized that before. And so now, like more than ever, I've been like, Yes, Stephen needs to heal, and yes, like our marriage needs to heal, but I need to heal, and I like I can, and I I've felt God's love more this last you know nine months, last year, than I ever have because this time last year like it was horrible like my body was shutting down I was like losing weight like crazy I was having all these health things, and I was like this is because of what I was saying before. I was trying to control Steven's addiction. And at this time it was all like an all time high and we were spinning out of control. And I feel like in the last little bit, I've really been able to be like, I can't, I can't control this. And that, that in itself has been, you know, the most healing that I've had. The surrender. Yeah. So how do you know that this, this time around, Steve is being honest. Like, like, is he doing anything different? Is he, can you see him as different? Yeah. So that, I mean, that's part of the reason I wanted to come on because I feel like we get like all these, all these emails and all these women reach out to me and they're like, you guys are so great. Like, I can't believe what you've gone through. Like, I hope, you know, and I'm, I feel like I just want to say like more than ever, like we, we are not all the way healed and we are trying to figure it out. And what Steve and I have been doing, what has worked for us the last little bit is we've just been taking it one day at a time. So ever since January, like Steve had a long, a long little bit of sobriety and he- yeah, Seven months, longest I'd ever truly been sober. And yeah. every night 
before bed, he would say, I can promise you tomorrow. And that was like so healing for me because, yeah, I don't know if he could promise me forever, but I knew for the next 24 hours, like he could promise me that he wouldn't act out. And I, I think that was huge for him because he knew that like he had said that and yeah, I believe that, you know, he has a vision of what honesty looks like now. I feel like when that seven months of sobriety broke in September, September, um, I feel like a lot of times you'll therapists say, people say like, don't waste any slips. Like, don't like, I feel like that hasn't been wasted space. Like, I feel like what came up for me was how big these abandonment issues have been and like really dealing with those and seeing, I feel like God was saying like, Hey, before we like do anything as far as getting you back in the church or whatever, just wanted to point this out. This is still there. We need to heal it. So let's do that work. You know, like, let me heal this part of you. So I've seen that as like a real grace as opposed to being like, Oh, I had seven months and I'm back at day zero. Like, and so that's, you know, I, I have kind of gotten back on track with sobriety lately in the last like month or so or whatever. But yeah, I had a, a couple months there in the middle that I was struggling a little bit, but I feel like I knew what was going on. It wasn't me checking back out. It wasn't, it was me really looking at my pain and sitting with some stuff and being honest about how I deal with that more than before of just saying, nope, I just need to have the right answer and move on, you know? And I feel like any wife would tell you like, you can tell when they're off. Like you can tell when something's not okay, you know? Right. And I mean, before all this had come out, I was like, yeah, I'd, I mean, I just don't think Steve is okay. And I'm like waiting for him, but he gets really defensive and he gets really argumentative, you know, when he's trying to hide. And I can just tell, you know, like, I don't know. There's just that difference there. That's awesome. And it's not there now. And it hasn't been there for a while. Right? <laughs> yeah. What what I love is or, that or no. I mean, <laughs> what I love about just yeah. just being here yeah. with you guys is everything that's been going on that's been happening over these last many years. You guys are still sitting next to each other. You're looking at each other in the eyes as you're talking and sharing your stories about this piece, and you're holding hands. And I wish everybody got to see that piece. I know I video a little bit, you know, and post a little bit on Instagram and stuff, but but. Being able to just be here and see, you can still see so much love that you guys have for each other as you guys just look at each other, as you hold each other, as you touch each other. It's just, it's beautiful to be able to see that knowing where everything was at a long time ago and everything that has happened. There's still love and hope and and healing in this relationship. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I feel like I've said all along, like, Steve is my person, you know? And I truly believe that he can recover. I remember once you said that it wasn't that he was having all this, all this, this addiction and stuff, but you kept seeing all these glimpses of Steve and who he really is. Yeah. And the addiction is not who he is. Right. And I love that because it's that's not who any of us are. We're we're all still sons of sons and daughters of God, and yeah, we may screw up. We may have things that we go to in, the, in an addiction, um, but we still are good people. Right. And 
have amazing stories and amazing hearts. And sometimes we just don't know how to battle for our own heart. We don't know how to battle for those hearts around us. And so we, it's a, it's a process that we learn just like Steve has learned how to fight for your heart and you've learned to fight for his heart continuously. Yeah. So, you know, to wrap things up, right, this is a podcast that's unafraid and, you know, unashamed to come into Christ for healing. Um, I just, just tell us a little bit about that healing that Christ has brought into your life of late, Steve, and, the, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with you, Kayla. Yeah, I mean, it, it started in January with me really, I think, accepting that. And it's been like just so many different moments of just what I can only describe as like grace with with CT calling me early on and I'm just like why are you calling me like I'm not worth it this isn't worth it and like even right after because Kayla had had like so much anger and so much you know just all the trauma and like the love that Kayla showed me in the last year I'm like I am so undeserving of this and so I feel like that's all God showing his love through the people in my life, what's going on in my life. Like, and so it's, I've, I finally had the courage to ask him, like, do you really love me? You know, like, am I enough? Um, and to have him once finally really asking those questions, you get real answers. That's what I've learned about God. Um, one of my Christian rappers asked me a stupid question. I'm going to answer like I'm dumb. I, God isn't going to be arrogant about it. But if you ask God a bad question, an unsincere question, if you ask God a question with your head and you want him to answer your heart, he can't. He's not going to force his way in there. But finally asking questions with my heart, he's been able to speak to my heart. And so I mean, we spent another two hours talking about these like beautiful grace moments that I've had with men reaching out to me with Kayla, with just experiences with God and the music and different things. And really feeling like on the outside, I probably look the same and a lot of my actions probably still look and feel the same, but like my intent and my honesty with God, my authenticity is so different that like now I can feel his love. Like, now I can feel his healing. And I feel these moments of just like he like we were just at Disneyland with our kids. And I just felt close. Like I felt close to my kids. I felt close to Kayla. Like I just felt that feeling of belonging, of acceptance. Um, not in a validation way, getting validation from Kayla because I was doing the right thing, but just true belonging. Um, and so I know that's God. And, and I've seen that in so many different ways, boot camp, just, I, yeah, that's how it's been for me. Yeah. And for me, I think it's just, I can see like how much we've grown and how much we've gone through. And like, I tell people all the time, like, they're always like, oh, I don't know, like how you went through that. And I can almost say, I thank God for our trial because we are different people than we used to be. And we're continuing to grow. And I just feel like, at the beginning, I didn't let God in, and just to see Him kind of take over our lives and over our marriage has been so beautiful, you know? 
Um, and I feel like my relationship with him is so different. And it's not just um, like, oh, like, I'll be there with you to help Steve. It's I'll be there for you because you're my daughter. And like, I truly love you. And I feel like I've always known that. But now I can see that and feel that. And um, like the same way, you know, with Jesus Christ, like I feel so so much more connected to them than I think I ever could have been if we hadn't gone through this. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. We loved having you here on the podcast again. I'm excited or, to be I on. guess for the first time, but just ha- it's always a, uh, fun to have Kayla on here with us and stuff. And um, Have you guys figured out a song that you guys would like to use and end with? We haven't talked about it. I mean, I know I choose for me personally, but I, what? I what would you to choose? put that on you. So, oh, As You Find Me, Hillsong, for sure. Awesome song. Okay, let's go for that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would say uh, this is probably more for me song than I'm probably kind of stealing the show here from Caleb, but As You Find Me uh, by Hillsong, because that, that's been the last year. That's been the real dialogue between me and God when I finally gotten honest um you know that he he loves me and he won't he'll take me as he finds me and um the beauty in that beautiful okay well thanks for listening and go to our um social media on Instagram and Facebook and go to at unashamed unafraid you can also go to the website unashamedunafraid.com and we'll end with As You Find Me by Hillsong I've been strong and I've been broken with the animal I've been faithful and I've been reckless in every band I've earned everything together and watched the shadow I stood tall and I have crumbled in the same breath I have wrestled and I have trembled towards surrender Chased my heart adrift and drifted home again Plundered blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption Every time I turn around, you're still there I was found before I was lost I was yours before I was not It's grace to spare for all my
Love me as you find 